everybody, and welcome to episode 328 of the Ask the Coach Show, where Ping Skills answers your table tennis questions. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, I'm joined by Super Coach Alois Rosario. Welcome, Alois. Thank you, Jeffrey. Welcome, all you listeners, and uh, and Jeffrey. We've uh, had some uh, some beautiful rain here in Melbourne today. Ah. Oh. Uh, Middle, middle of winter for us, so... Uh, Absolutely. I mean, Melbourne, it it does rain a lot in Melbourne. It does, but You also, certainly don't live here for the weather, that's for sure. <laughs> that's right. Yes. That's right. And not for, the, not for the lockdown rules at the moment either. <laughs> oh, exactly. No, bit of uh, plenty of COVID uh, here in Melbourne at the moment. So, yeah, thoughts to everyone out there in... Uh, all around the world. Yeah, still struggling times. Yeah. Yeah, yep. and we'll get back into our clubs and we'll be uh, back into table tennis soon, hopefully. Absolutely. Yeah, that will be good, won't it? That will be good. Now, Alois, do you have any friends that just, you know, think they're really smart? Oh, uh, well, not really. But... <laughs> I have one friend, and he thinks he's so smart. He said to me the other day, he said, an onion is the only food that makes you cry. So you know what I did? What did you I, I threw a coconut at his face. Jeff, you can better. That's got to brighten your day, doesn't it? Oh, so good. Uh, bit of vibe. Uh, and, and after that great joke, Alois, um, yeah. do you have an on this day for us? I certainly do. On this day, and it's the 28th of July, is Tiago Apolonia's birthday, the great uh, Portuguese um, player. Um, and, um, yeah, Tiago, like, I remember him when he was really young and just coming up, and now he's old, so it tells you what I am. But um, yeah, he's, I suppose um, the big win for the Portuguese team was when they won the European Teams Championships in 2014. That was a huge breakthrough for them. And then they won the European Games teams in 2015 as well in Baku. So, uh, yeah, and Thiago has been a, just the real um, corner pin of the uh, Portuguese team for a very, very long time. Um, and I think, you know, he'd... Uh, he probably, you know, looks back at those two gold medals with uh, with his uh, great mates as as um, as probably highlights of his career. Um, he plays for Oxenhausen now, so uh, yeah, one of the one of the famous uh, German clubs. So still still going strong, um, still going really well. And he's 34 years old today. So uh, 34. yeah, old oh, 34. Yeah, indeed. There you go. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, what a period of time. That was that was impressive, wasn't it? Getting that breakthrough and then continuing it on. It wasn't like they just had one win. You know, they've backed it up again. Very impressive. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, yeah with, uh, you know, Marcos Freitas has come through since then and Joe Geraldo as well. So, um, yeah, so they've had a, a really got a strong, um, strong base and uh, Joe Montero as well. So, yeah, good, strong base. Uh, Portuguese squad that came through. Yeah, very, very good. Um, 
Well, that was good. That was interesting. Tiago, it's a, it's a nice name. It kind of rolls off the tongue as well. It does, Tiago. And, and I, I have Portuguese heritage too. So, I you know. did not know that. Is that true? True, yeah. Rosario is Portuguese. That's right. Uh-huh. There you go. There you go. His forehand's a bit better than mine. <laughs> Yours is pretty good. <laughs> I've seen that video, um, Alloys versus Italy. Uh, There's some, you know, some points so good, especially when you watch it in slow motion. It's very, (laughs) very impressive. Time to move on, Jeff. Time to move on to those questions. Listeners, if you haven't seen it, I'm going to put a link in the show notes. You've got to check it out, Alloys versus Italy. And you, you don't have to comment Wow, he's got hair. Look, focus on the table tennis, not on the hair, okay? That's just my tip for you watching it for the first time if you haven't seen it yet. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> uh, all right. Now, um, Alois, we we brought back last podcast the tip and drill yes. of the week. We did indeed. And, uh, and I think it was probably reasonably popular. So, yeah, so our... Due to popular demand, that's why we brought it back. Exactly, exactly. And uh, last week we talked to you about making sure that you you take a look at some some of your matches, um, if you've got them on video, or just go back and and sit down and, and just remember maybe your last few matches. And then from that, try to work out what do I really need to work on and what um, drills do I need to do in my training? So um, hopefully you've done that um, over the last week or so. Um, if not, you've still got time, plenty of time. Just mm-hmm. think about what, um, you know, your last table tennis matches or, you know, some matches that really stand out in your head for you. If you've got them on video, great. If not, um, you know, just sit down and have a think about uh, what you remember from those matches and then work out you know, was there something that my opponent was doing to me that was really difficult um, uh, that I could perhaps try to improve on over the next few weeks or months? So that was, yeah, that was last uh, week's uh, tip and drill of the week. So this week, we're going to talk about that pre-point routine. And just, um, it's something that we probably don't put enough emphasis on. You know, when we're playing matches, it's really important to just try to get in a bit, bit of rhythm for yourself. So, um, you know, uh, rather than just rushing around and, you know, playing one point really quickly and one point slowly, just try to think about a routine that you can set up for yourself that you can do before each uh, point. Now, we all know the famous uh, tennis, uh, Rafael Nadal uh, pre-point routine, you know, where he goes through about 500 different little uh, things that he does before he serves the ball. Um, it yeah, doesn't and he be... doesn't seem to get a lot of um, kudos for that, I think, amongst other players, does he? Seems to be a bit on the long side, maybe. Yeah, exactly. No, that, that, I think that's a bit long and a bit, uh, yeah, and, you know, probably a bit um, excessive. So, but but what you need to think about is, you know, what what is your best preparation for the point? You know, how quickly do you walk? Um, do you bounce the ball on the floor? Do you bounce the ball on the table? Do you bounce the ball at all? Do you, um, you know, what do you do before you serve as far as, you know, preparing? Do you spend like half a second before you serve, um, um, 
you know, or, you know, what, what is what what is that routine and what does that look like for you? Um, you and might you not even... And done this before, Alois, do, like, is there any tips, like, should it be, like, five seconds or two seconds or does the time not matter, just more about um, some actions? What's the best way yeah, to get started I, with something like this? I guess... I guess firstly, it's it's to just examine what you actually do right now. Mm. So some, most of you will have a bit of a routine that you do when you're playing well. Um, so it's again remembering back to what what you're doing, and uh, and starting to think about that, and just what makes you feel comfortable. I guess uh, before you serve as well. Now, as far as time. One important thing is not to make it too long because, as you know, there are rules um, in table tennis and it says that um, play needs to be continuous. So you can't be taking, you know, half a minute in between points to get your routine done. You know, my, my recommendation is just something that you do while you're picking up the ball and then maybe uh, three or four seconds um, as you prepare uh, before you serve or before your returning serve as well. Yeah, excellent. And and do you think it's important to be having um, a thought process that's focused on your breathing or on the next point or? Um, yes. What? Yeah, so some things you can think about, like you can just think about your breathing. So what that does is basically it just occupies your mind in between points. So often we know that, um, especially when you when you start stressing a little bit, your mind starts to really wander and it starts to, you know, go to places where, you know, you start thinking about the results and you start thinking about, oh, I shouldn't have lost that last point and oh, I wish I hadn't missed that smash. Or it might be, you know, thinking forward, thinking, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm on the verge of beating this guy that I've never beaten before. Um, so, you know, so by focusing on your breathing, it just brings you back to the um, to the present. So that's a good little way to, to just get yourself back into the present uh, moment. But then it's also good to just spend, you know, one or two seconds thinking about if you're serving, what type of serve you're going to do. Um, and if you're receiving, it might be just getting that um, that focus onto the ball so that uh, you're really ready when your opponent serves. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And um and yeah, just thinking about Nadal for a long time for a little bit. Like in tennis, they do have the time clock, so it's very you know official, and they, and they seem to follow that now. But um, it's hard to argue that didn't doesn't work for him because he's so successful. Um, that routine. Um, but then yeah. I haven't actually read his book. I've got to read that. Um, but my wife read it, and he's very superstitious. Like he's got a walk on the line, the right side of the lines before he goes off and he's got to wait for the ball kids to do something before he switches ends and there's all these superstitions that he has. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And it, it like, I mean, you, you feel like um, he would be so hung up and caught up with all of that. But, I mean, it tends to just work for him, I guess. Um, but, I, you know, I, I wonder if he had his time again whether he would he would try to get rid of some of that because it must be it must be mentally quite taxing on him as well to be mm. constantly focused on those little things but but as you say i mean wow you know the guy's won uh, 
whole heap of grand slams. Um, who are we to uh, to uh, to say that that's no good? Yep, indeed, indeed. All right, so there you go. So um, yeah, this week, um, if you haven't already, think about your past matches and what you can, um, what drills you can do that will help your game, and importantly, look at your pre-point routine and think about how you can develop your own uh, pre-point routine. Yeah. All right. Yeah, sorry. And then if yeah. you are, or if, if you're out on the court, um, you know, if you are playing at the moment, then just think this while you're practicing or training, just practice that pre-point routine as well and try to really establish it in training. It just doesn't happen in a match situation. Great tip. All right. Let's move on to the questions then, um, Al. And first up, is one from Dai. And he says, when I was watching a match with Mima Ito in it, I saw her reviewing notes in a notebook. And he said, I felt like I needed this very much in my own matches. So he says, when I play, I don't have a focus. So do you advise people have a notebook? And is it useful? Yeah, I I think it is useful. And it's probably something that we don't make enough use of um, uh, in our in our game. So, if, I mean, if you are fairly serious about your game and you want to improve, especially if you're starting to think about, um, you know, your own technique or if you're starting to think about particular players that you might play reasonably often, it's great to just have a notebook where you're noting down after each match um, things that you remember from the match. Because, as you know, you know, in, in, in a couple of days' time or certainly in a couple of weeks or months time when you play that person again it's so hard to remember what actually happened um, in that previous match so if you just spend you know a couple of minutes after a match just reviewing just sitting down and writing down just a couple of things that might have worked with your serve with something you found about their game that uh, they didn't like yeah Uh, so what are some of those like specific questions you should be asking about the match to kind of um, like, yeah, what's important? Like, is it the score? Is it like um, this particular serve worked? Like he didn't like a, a backspin serve or he couldn't pick my no-spin serve? Or or is it, you know, about their their movement? Or just, yeah, how do you, how do you go about, you know, writing those notes down? Yeah, I, th- I think you can look at a few areas. One is, one is your serve. So... Note down the serves that you think worked well against them and also note down the, the serves that you think that they quite liked, you know. So you might write down my pendulum serve to his forehand uh, worked really well. But when I was playing her and I served my pendulum serve to her backhand, um, she hit that for a winner every time. So so I think just thinking about, um, thinking about that uh, is a probably a good starter yeah you can start to think about is where you're returning serve and what type of returns of serve that they liked and didn't like so um you know it might be uh if you push uh their serve back with some backspin or you push it to their backhand or you push it to their forehand or you topspin it to a certain position um they don't like that in particular so that's the next area and then I think the, the, the third area that you can think about is just in the general rally, what sort of strategy works? Is it uh, playing to one particular position 
or is it playing to um, you know wide positions, making the move, or perhaps in the middle, um, you know again what works well and what doesn't work well um, against a particular opponent. So they're, yeah. they're I like that, Al, because that just gives you something really to focus on. Yeah, your serve, um, your return, and then in the rally, like do they prefer forehands or backhands? So it gives you really something to focus on, something you can ride on, and then that'll be really useful next time you play them because. You can come and have a look at it. And even though they may have changed, it gives you sort of um, a core set of tactics to start with and, and see how they go in the next, for the next time you play them. Yeah, exactly. Now, we've got a, we've got a tool on the website as well that um, can really help you with this. Um, and I think it's a tool that isn't used enough by our members. Um, it's called the Vault. So if you go to um, the Ping's pingskills.com website and if when you're logged in you'll see your name in the top right corner click on the drop down box and in there you'll see the vault um, so in the vault you can um, you can start to put in uh, your opponents and you can put in things um, about those opponents so you can add some tactics you can enter match results um, uh, and you know put in some other details about that particular opponent um, that you have. So um, you can also enter your training sessions in there. So um, each training session, what your focus was, how long uh, your training session was, and you can also enter match results um, in there as well. So um, a really nice little tool um, built into the Ping Skills website that anyone can use. So we'll put a, a link in the show notes there for you. Uh, you can go straight to the vault, have a look around and see uh, see if you can start to uh, start a, a, a virtual diary of your own. Absolutely, yeah. Give it a go and, and see if it works for you. I, I think, yeah, I think it'll be beneficial. Excellent, uh, excellent question, Di. All right, now here is an interesting question, Alois from Jasper, who says... Which non-Chinese player do you think will win the next World Table Tennis Championships? Yeah, now that's a very good question, uh, Jasper. It's a tough one, isn't it? Because I think the last male winner was Werner Schlager from Austria. Um, and so there hasn't been one for a very long time. But, um, you know, it's, it's hard to see, isn't it? Because you, you look at the top players in the world now, Top three in the men are Chinese. But I guess the, the one standout now is that Mima Ito, you know, someone that we were just talking about, mm. is ranked, ranked number two in the women's. You know, can she be the one that uh, that breaks the Chinese dominance? Um, interestingly, you know, next uh, year the Olympics will be in Tokyo. Um, she'll have the home crowd cheering her on. Could that yeah. Just in but, fact, Alois, the Olympics would be on right now if it wasn't for COVID. Yeah, absolutely. We'd yeah, be talking starting. about me at this very moment, probably. We would indeed. And then, yeah, and but like apart from apart from Mima Ito, you know, there's no one that's really uh, pushing the other players consistently. You know, Ishikawa, her teammate, perhaps. Fing yeah, Chen someone won. here suggested Harry Moto on the on the forum. Men's side, yeah. I think, you know, Harry Moto, he's the highest ranked non-Chinese player uh, at number four in the world. 
My, I, I, I like Lin Yunju as well from uh, Chinese Taipei. He mm. uh, a player that really impresses me. Um, Calderano, Hugo Calderano from Brazil is ranked number six at the moment. You know, he's some sort of chance. But I think, you know, can can these guys beat, you know, the two Chinese players that they'll need to beat to, to win the title? Um, you know, in world championships, they need to beat even more Chinese players. Yeah. Um, so it's all pretty tough, but, you know, it, it'll happen. Um, it it's has happened to- in the past. It'll happen again. That's right. And uh, so, well, I've, I've probably gone the, the, the simple options of Mima Ito and uh, uh, Tomokazu Harimoto um, for, you know, for the most likely. But who knows? I mean, we saw Matthias Falk from Sweden get oh, to the final. I know. Champion. What a surprise that was. And he put so, a reasonable show in the final too. Yeah, you know, he did. He did do well. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to, especially at the World Championships, where you've got to beat, you know, probably three Chinese players on your way to winning uh, the event, and you know, not any three Chinese players. You know, you've got to beat Lin Go Yuan, Ma Long, and Fan Zendong, or something like that. <laughs> it's a daunting task. Yeah, and in the women's side, you know, you might have an easy quarterfinal against Ding Ning. <laughs> oh, dear. Chen Meng. So, yeah, I think it's it's tough, really tough. But it, as, as we say, it will happen. But, yeah, interesting yeah. time. And it um, be interesting to, to see uh, your thoughts on uh, who that next person might be. Yeah, so um, we'll have a link in the show notes to that question. So jump on, click that link, and uh, let us know who you think it might be. All right, next up um, is a question from Toti, who wants to know about blocking. So his trainer has said that, and I think what he's trying to say is that with the blocks, you need to stand very close to the table, over the table. And Toti's just asking, well, is that right or should I hit it at the peak of the bounce? And and what about for like different strokes, like counter top spins? If I'm hitting them at different spots, how does that affect my game? Yeah, Toadie, I think you know with blocking, like with every shot, you can have some variation in your timing points. So um, the the block in general, you know, what I would say is try and take it early because if you can take it early, then you're giving the attacking player a little bit less time to recover. So if you can, take the ball early, cut down their time. But having said that, you know, sometimes that ball's just travelling really fast and you're better off just taking half a step away, giving yourself a little bit more time to to just see that ball and block that ball, uh, perhaps to position um, a little bit better. You know, probably one of the best blockers in the world was Yana um, Vivalda. Uh, and, you know, he... He often took the ball a little bit off the table, um, took the ball, took the ball higher, and uh, and then you know wove his magic and and placed the ball really well. Started to put slightly different spin on the ball. Sometimes kicking it forward, sometimes sliding it, sometimes you know, hitting it really fat, flat, and and punching it through. So um, there's lots of options when you're blocking. And it's important to be quite active when you're blocking too, you know. So if you can, if you can um, move into position, uh, get your get your body behind the ball, 
and and start to you know put a little bit of pressure either time wise or placement wise on on the attacking player. But um, yeah, I mean, I think as a principle, what your trainer is saying is right. You know, take that ball early because then you're giving your opponent less time. Interesting. So I mean, this is the difficult thing with games like with sports like table tennis. It's kind of like people ask a question and the answer is kind of like, it depends, you know, yeah. if, if it's going really fast, you might need some more time. But if you've got, if you've got the extra time going earlier and, um, and I guess like the more you play, the more you'll be able to read those situations and, and then find the best, um, the best way to approach each shot. Yeah. I, th- I think, you know, you, you have to have an open mind when you're playing the game, you know, you can have some principles in your head, you know, like I'm, you know, for a particular opponent, I'm going to try and cut down their time. You know, if you and if you're doing that, then you're really trying to get that ball early off the table. But against another player who might be okay at attacking but isn't very consistent, I might say, well, if I can just get two balls back on the table, I know he's going to miss that third one. So um, yeah, so it's very, it's also very opponent dependent. Yes, which is why you should use the vault and write down the tactics against different players. That's right. Yeah. I should just take a step back and block slowly, or I should <laughs> uh, block it to his forehand more often because he can't recover and doesn't play the second forehand well. Yes, Bit indeed. Yeah. So, yeah, um, that's a great question, Tony, and good to see you thinking about the game and, and how you can improve. Um so, yeah, keep asking those questions because that's going to help you uh, improve your game. All right, now, last question, Alois, is from uh, Jason. And he says, how exactly do you return an around-the-net shot? Most players find it difficult. And he says, you were just talking about this player before, I just don't know how Walder did it from Lou Guliang. How do you return an around-the-net shot? Well, it is pretty difficult, and um, just, especially if they, they basically roll the ball around the net, you know. So if that ball comes really low and, and almost does roll or actually rolls, then it's really difficult because you've got to get your bat underneath the ball. Um, now, now, often when it actually they... rolls, does that mean it's bounced twice already and you've just lost the point? Uh, yeah, I haven't ever seen a ball roll purely. So yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say though, isn't it? That's right. If that ball actually rolls, then maybe that's just one bounce. Ooh. Because table once. <laughs> Interesting. But the the players never really have an issue with it. The players never feel, oh well, that's bounced twice on the table. Um, True. Yeah. It, yeah, if you if you see almost every time, um, you know the, the player will get their bat to it and underneath that ball. But that the side spin, I think, is the really difficult part to deal with when um, when the balls come around the net because most of the time it will have a bit of side spin on it to get that ball to curve around. Um, so that combined with how low the ball is uh, is quite well, not quite. It's really difficult and it. You've, you've just got to have the feel for the angle of your bat. Um, so I find most players will hit that ball into the net 
because they haven't accounted for the amount of side spin um, on the ball. And, you know, it almost feels like it's got some backspin on the ball when it comes around the net with that, that much side. So, um, so you, you see Waldner in particular, he looks like he almost pushes that ball back sometimes when they've, you know, hit that um, top spin side spin around the net. So, wow, it's really difficult. You know, if you want to know, just, just go and watch a few of Waldner's highlights and, um, and you'll definitely see some. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. Very impressive. And I think maybe because he created such angles, um, players would be out of position and maybe be able to go around that net a bit more than other people, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, he did. Because he, he, he hooked the ball and curved the ball a lot himself. So, you know, he yeah, he would uh, create create that angle for his opponent. Um, and, yeah, when they when they uh, go around the net, I, I've just got this clear picture in my head of him just, like, side spin, pushing, blocking that ball back um, on the table with so much ease. And, gee, it's a really, really difficult ball. Um, anyone that's faced it will know that, that's a really difficult ball to try and get back. And it's not something you can practice that often. Um, no. So, you know, it's yeah, it's really just getting the feel for the angle of, the, of your racket. Yeah, indeed. And like you said in that thing, Waldner was a magician. Absolutely. He was. Um, now, Alois, I, to finish off the show, I've got some OMG facts. Oh, yes. Becoming very... <laughs> Quickly, my favourite part of your contribution to this show, Jeff. <laughs> I thought you were going to say your favourite part of the show, but no, of my contribution to the show. Okay, good. <laughs> it's good to know your place. That's all I'm saying. It's good to know your place. Um, now, the word escalate did not exist until the invention of the escalator in 1944. No. Escalate. Only because of Escalator. No, I don't believe that. It's an OMG fact. These are straight from my OMG fact calendar. I mean, this this is... Can you hear me me typing into Google as we speak? (laughs) This situation is escalating very fast. (laughs) Um, All right, you Google it while I tell you another one. The Hollywood sign weighs 450,000 pounds, averaging nearly 50,000 pounds per letter. OMG. Wow. Wonder what, what what's it made of, Jeff? Have you got that? <laughs> no, that's not an OMG fact. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, maybe on tomorrow's. Yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> Jaws. Was the yep. first movie to earn $100 million. Wow. $100 million. Now that they earn that in one day, right? <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, is Jaws any good? I just, I'm not sure. Like, I don't know if it's that good a movie. Yeah, I think it was. It was in, my, in, in, in its day. I remember in its it. day? I, I remember going to the movies and, and seeing it when it came out. It was good. Wow, that yeah. does make you old. In the 70s, I think. <laughs> and lastly, a duffel bag is so called because the thick wool originally used to make the bags came from the Belgian town of Duffel. Oh, there you go. I've always wondered about what, where, 
where, where duffel bags got their name from. Now thanks, I know. Thanks to OMG Facts. Facts. <laughs> now you know. Yeah, oh, and, and, I've, and I've looked up Escalate. Yep. Nineteen to, to use an escalator. Back formation from escalator, replacing earlier verb escalade. Ah, from the noun escalade. I don't, I don't know the um, the, the uh, legitimacy of this site I'm looking at, but you know. Um, <laughs> or the legitimacy of my OMG facts. Or the legitimacy of your OMG facts. There you go. They are, oh, they are legitimate. It's OMG facts. It's in. The, they wouldn't be called facts if it wasn't factual, would they? <laughs> Otherwise, they'd be called escalators. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes. There you go. There well, you go. Me. I like it. All right. Well, there you go. Well, that's a wrap. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Keep your questions coming on the Ask the Coach section of the website. And, of course, thank you for all your wisdom, Alloys. Oh, thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you for those OMG facts in particular. And... <laughs> And everyone out there, stay safe. Um, hopefully, you've, some of you are starting to get back into your clubs and, and playing some table tennis. But, yeah, just uh, take it easy. Um, make sure you uh, follow all the regulations and rules around. And, um, and we want to see you playing table tennis for a long time to come. Absolutely. Thank you, everyone. Bye.